Welcome to the Skyda Softball Podcast. Your host, Matt Scott, will be interviewing players from past events and future events. And now, your host, Matt Scott. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's that time again for another episode of the Sky to Softball podcast. I am your host, Matthew Scott, and today we have an exclusive guest on the podcast for the first time ever, is fellow type 1 diabetic, now with the Oakland Athletics, Mason Miller. Mason, thanks for coming on. How are we doing today? Doing well. Uh, My pleasure to be on here, Michael. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, man. So you're you're new to the Sky to Softball name, so we're going to try to get to know you you a little bit here. So let's... Who was your favorite player and favorite team growing up? Growing up, I'm from Pittsburgh, so unfortunately the Pirates were my team uh, for 21 years of my life, 22 years. But uh, there's been some excitement in there. It's a beautiful stadium, um, so I certainly enjoyed it growing up, uh, despite the losing ways of the Buccos. Uh, but my personal favorite player growing up was Albert Pujols. Um, okay. I was back before I was uh, – Strictly a pitcher, but uh, I really admired the way he played, and he obviously was a star for you know a lot of years um, through my childhood. So he was somebody I kind of admired. Yeah, Pujols is still going with the Dodgers, and it was surprising to see out of all the teams they chose to sign after the Angels let him go, the Dodgers. As you can see here, Mason, and for those listening at home, I am a Braves fan, and it seems like everybody wants to go to the Dodgers. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> big market teams, I guess. That's the way yeah. it's going. Maybe it was a uh, stay in the city type thing for him in this. Especially the money. But, uh, Mason, one of the big questions I usually ask my guests are their recruiting process. I'm, I know I've read st- you know, stories about you. It's a little different. You know, if you were in a small college before you went transferred over to Gardner-Webb. And so my question is, talk about your recruiting process and your experience and – what would your advice be to those who might be starting their own recruiting process now? Yeah, I mean, I'll, although I wasn't uh, as much of a talent as I am now coming out of high school, um, you know, I had offers to go higher than Division three level, which is where I went. Um, I had a couple D2 offers on the table. Um, and ultimately, it came down to me. Um, I wanted to play. I wanted to compete my freshman year. I knew I wanted to make an impact on whatever program it was that I went to. Um, so that was a major factor in my decision, um, as well as academics back then, because I didn't really look at baseball as something that um, was realistic to pursue professionally, um, especially after going to a Division III. Um, but, you know, baseball is the same game, you know, whether it's Division Three, Division I, um, professionally, you know, there's a lot more um, delicacies within it and intricacies to go along with that. But uh, at the end of the day, you're playing the same game and, you know, you have the chance and the choice to make yourself the best player you can be, regardless of the environment you're in. Um, and in my opinion, you, you're severely limited if, you know, you're not you're not getting time on the field. You're not pitching, in my case. Um, you know, I wanted to get innings. I wanted to make an impact on my team from the moment I got on campus. And I knew I was going to be able to do that um, with my choice when I went to Waynesburg University. Um, and then again, whenever I chose Gardner-Webb, um, there were some bigger name schools that were – you know, kind of seeking me out. Um, and, and there's some wow effect to that. Um, but the way I looked at it was, you know, I have one year um, to, to kind of put myself on the map. 
And I'm not going to be able to do that to the best of my ability if, um, you know, I'm worried about, you know, what my role is going to be on a team or if I'm throwing limitedly out of the bullpen. Um, so Gardner-Webb gave me the opportunity that I was going to be a starting pitcher. Um, you know, if I did hit some bumps along the way, you know, I, I wasn't going to get bumped to the back of the bullpen. Um, I was going to be able to keep competing. So it was kind of a similar, similar choice, you know, going somewhere where I knew I was going to be able to impact the team as soon as I got there. What would your advice be to those who are starting their process now? I mean, there's plenty of kids that coming out of high school are, are very, very talented. And there's there's plenty of others that get glossed over and have a high level of talent, too. Uh, and there's some kids that, you know, their bodies haven't quite matured yet, maybe like me. Um, you know, something, something just hasn't clicked yet. Um, so there's the adage of, you know, go to the best place you can. Um, and I don't want to discourage that either, but I think there is some value in considering, you know, what what's your role going to be on that team? Um, and is it going to be beneficial for you to be there um, for the year, two years, four years, whatever it's going to be? I know a lot of kids are going to a junior college nowadays too. And I mean, that's a, a solid way to go as well. I think kind of just add on to it and this this one this one kind of stand episode of Logan Sal. He went to the College of Charleston. He talked he talked about it. you don't necessarily have to go to the the big name schools like the the Clemsons, the Alabamas, or anything like that. It's more it's more about how you you look at what where you want to go and what will help you develop. You know, both as an athlete or and more importantly as a person. You know. We can only play a game for so long. That's true. That's so true. <laughs> and so you talk, you know, looking back on the recruiting experience, let's let's get into when you were diagnosed. You were diagnosed when you were at the junior college, am I right? Yeah, I was uh, 20 years old. It was at the end of my sophomore year. Okay, so when, when, when did you, when did it kind of like realize that something wasn't right? Uh, through most of that year, uh, it was about two weeks before the end of school that I did actually get diagnosed. Uh, I was taking a drug test for an internship. Mm -hmm. um, so I took a urine sample, and that's how they ended up finding out how hot my sugar was. So I went to the ER, got it sorted out a couple of days. But uh, I'd planned to go get some blood work done, like post school year when I came home. Yeah. So weeks later, um, so I kind of knew something was up. Didn't really expect it to be something like this. Um, you know, symptom-wise, I probably could have known what it was, but I didn't expect it to be something as major as it was um, through the time that uh, I was experiencing all that. So, I'm, I'm, I'm probably answering my question there. You probably experienced some of the symptoms like the, the weight loss, thirst, you know, those the, the basic symptoms, like they call it. <laughs> Yeah, no, I was I was down about 25 pounds and like in season competing that made that super yeah. difficult. You know, the urinating and you know I was thirsty all the time. I drink like gallons of like Gatorade. Yeah, and just like water just wouldn't quench anything. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I'm sure it's a lot, a lot of things that plenty of other people like us can relate to. Yeah, and me and from my experience, you know, I was I think me and you when we first. Finally got to chat. I was diagnosed two days after I turned seven, and you know it's, it seems like it was just yesterday. I was having the the exact same thing: the weight loss, the extreme thirst. Like I was drinking water nonstop. It would not do anything for me. And then we, you know, we finally get to find that out. 
And to this day, it, you know, it's always an interesting story to tell people because like, you know, both my parents were shocked because diabetes did not run in my family at the time I was diagnosed. Same so we, you know, we kind of just, you know, what's next for me? Will I be able to do this, that, and everything else? And so I think I kind of, I, I caught a glimpse of what you said there. Does, and you said diabetes does not run in your family? It does not, no. So, you know, you mentioned your parents. It's kind of an, an interesting thing for me and more of a blessing that, uh, you know, it happened when I was 20 years old instead of seven. You know, I was able to learn and get through that process and, you know, take care of myself. Whereas yeah. a lot of the challenges I saw, at least in like education classes, things like that, that I had to attend that, you know, all these other kids were, you know, less than 10, maybe a little more than 10. But regardless, their parents were going to be a big portion of, you know, their day-to-day -day care and at some point in their life they're gonna have to learn to do that themselves and that's gonna be like a yeah. whole like you know life-changing kind of thing yeah and i think you know i always hear stories from my mother who was actually a diabetic educator for at the children's hospital down in augusta georgia you know she always gets to you know work with patients that are you know diagnosed at diagnosed at a young age or you know whether you're in middle school high school you know, and she's she's even told stories where she has like a like a small child come in. You, that really, I think me and you both, kind of like what you said. It really puts a different perspective into things. Yes. How much you appreciate, you know, the opportunity you got. You get to learn when you can. That way, you can basically put your knowledge to those coming up. Yep. Yeah, so. Yeah, it's it's definitely mind blowing sometimes because the other night, or not the other night, pardon me, about a week or two ago, I was at a local event, and we, my dad, noticed this girl with her T Slim pump and her Dexcom CGM, and she's, you know, he pointed that out to me. We just kind of like, hey, let's let's talk to her. And all of a sudden, we're like, hey, how long have you been diagnosed? She was like three years, and it's like. And, you know, and sometimes you like hear the, oh, yeah, diagnosed right before Christmas. I was like, seventh birthday. So welcome to the Sad Story Club. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's it's definitely interesting to know that looking back on. And so my next question for you, Mason, is, you know, you got drafted this year by the Oakland A's in the fourth round, right? Yeah. Third round. Oh. So what was the draft process for you like did you notice teams were looking at you like what was that what was that like yeah so I had scouts coming uh coming to my games even in the fall like when we'd have inner squads uh, and then you know through the spring I tried really not to, to take too much note of it but they were definitely there for the majority of my games in some capacity um mm -hmm. you know I have a, a great agent that handled a lot of it and let me just focus on you know what I needed to through the season um so I had an idea. Um, we had kind of a guess range as far as where we'd go uh, in the draft. Um, I think we were kind of expecting second to fifth round. So we slotted right in where we kind of had targeted. Um, so it was a, a long process for sure. Cause there's plenty of times where I was like, man, I just can't wait for it to be here. So I can just you know get this load off and know where I'm going, what team I'm going to be with, things like that. Yeah. Uh, but 
it, it was a pretty painless process and things went pretty smoothly for me. So I was definitely fortunate there. So was there, I'm just, I just want to pick your brain here. Was there anybody else besides the Oakland, Oakland athletics looking at you? Yeah. Uh, I'd done a workout with the Padres. Um, I know they liked me a lot. Um, I was an interesting case considering how old I was, you know, I'm, I'm about to turn 23. Um, so this was my fifth year of college, whereas a lot of the, the majority of guys get drafted on a normal year. This year is a little different that you saw a lot of older guys going because of COVID in the right. last year. But the majority of guys that usually get drafted are out of high school at 18 or third year college guys that just turned 21. Um, yeah. so age is a big thing. You know, they, they want to get you here and they want you want to start working with you and have the more time that they can. You know, time is valuable to them. Yeah. Um, so I, I wasn't necessarily expecting um, teams to, to really pay me if, in those high rounds. Um, you know, I was looking for teams that would probably look to save some money on me. Um, yeah. Padres were one of those teams. Uh, the Phillies were another team on the draft day that were very interested. Um, and the athletics kind of just swooped in, came out of nowhere, and yeah. it happened. So it was, uh, it was a whirlwind that day for sure. Definitely. And as a brace fan, I think I heard you say the Phillies. Thank God that they did not pick you because this would be a little bit more awkward if you were with the Phillies. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're fortunate then. But uh, nah, I mean, I always joke around with people, you know, regardless of the team that you play for, I'll still, I'll still try to pull for, pull for whoever and try to, you know, put their word out. And it was interesting to know that when uh, somebody that I'm very close with, he messaged me. I think it was like the day you got drafted or the day after. It was yeah. an article out of Charlotte, you know, that says kid with type one diabetes. You it was drafted in third round by Oakland Athletics. And you know, I started reading, I'm thinking, man, this kid's gonna be legit. This is you know, his his story's interesting, which, you know, we're we're glad to finally hear, you know, your side of the story. Uh and more importantly, I think you get to put, you know, another diabetic name out there in, you know, in the category of like uh, Buddy Carlisle who pitched for the Braves and Mets for many few years. Uh, that's, you know, got nobody personally. Then you got Michael Taylor who was an outfielder for the Oakland Athletics, ironically, in the Chicago White Sox. He's retired and now working in, you know, in the healthcare world, it's it's mind blowing to see how, you know, the more diabetics you see put their names out there, you know, show like, hey, you can do this. Yeah, no, it's crazy because, you know, when whenever I got diagnosed at least, you know, being a little older and being so invested in baseball, that was one of the first things I did was look up, you know, major league baseball player with type one diabetes or professional athlete with type one diabetes, things like yeah. that. Um, and it's amazing, you know, now that, you know, I do have that awareness and I do have, you know, this, this condition that, you know, there are a lot more people than you think out there like you. Um, and now that you notice things like you're out and about and you see somebody with a Dexcom or things like that, like more people have this than, than, you know, um, that's yeah. not as like, I mean, it's, it's not a common condition for sure, but like you'd be surprised where you go and who you see and, you know, the things people are doing. Like you said, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, and I think, uh, ironically, there's one of – I'm kind of circling back to the Phillies looking at you. 
Sam Fold, who was with the Oakland Athletics, diabetic. And I took, I made a note of it, where he's actually one of the very few diabetics to have such a role like that in sports or anything like that. So it's definitely, it's always amazing to see diabetics do such huge things in the world of sports. Yep, for sure, man, for sure. And so it's time for, uh, Mason, as I like to call this, the cheap plug. For those listening at home, feel free to give our friends at the Hatflow Company in Greenville a look. Go buy something from them and use the code SKYTOSOFTBALL. That code will get you, I believe it was 20% off with that code. And tell them Sky Softball sent you over because they are making some sweet hats for the players at this year's event. All right, Mason. So let's let's get into some more diabetic not questions here for those at home. Deep pump or shots? Pen shots. I use the pen still right now. Pens and needles. Um, you know, I have a glucose monitor, a Dexcom. Um, you know, I'm kind of not a massive fan of having, you know, all this stuff on my body all the time. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I am coming to, to the pump though. Um, I think, I think in the future here that that's something that I'm, I'm really interested in doing. Um, I haven't had any trouble with the pens and needles yet. So I've just kind of stuck with that as of now. So are you, are you thinking, uh, what kind of pump are you thinking here sometime here, here in the future? Uh, I mean, I've heard some stuff about like the Omnipod, I think. Uh, I haven't done some research in a little while, so mm-hmm. I, I don't know the names super well. I know that technology with everything is amazing these days, and that is definitely something that we are all very, very, very... It's prepared. skyrocketed in the amount of progress that has made. Yeah. No, I, I imagine for somebody like you who's kind of came, came through with it, that, uh, you know, it's made your life a, a hell of a lot easier. Um, I know it's made my life you know, very, very manageable, um, very quickly. Um, so certainly a, a blessing that we live in the time that we do. In that yeah. And, and like, for me, I started out with the, uh, I don't know if you ever heard of it, the animus pump. That was my blessing in disguise because I ran for that pump with that pump for about, I want to say maybe 15 or 16 years because that was, it was such good. It was weird on how I went about it because I was like seven or eight when I got to, you know, choose the pump. And I was like, hey, this works. I, I can work with it. And for some reason, I was like, they seem not, the, the workers seem nice for me to get along with and yeah. get the pump supplies. And it's like, that's, it's weird how, you know, things work out like that. And now with the uh, T-Slim, I'm not trying to be an advocate for that, but with that and the, Dexcon, that's su- it's such a great pairing, mm-hmm. you know. And so my next question for you, my man, is: Have you ever pitched in a game when your butcher was high or low? I'm usually pretty good on on the high end. I sometimes get some lows, especially athletically. Um, yeah. You know, I, I'm I'm pretty good at managing things now. You know, I haven't this experience for a few years. Uh, you kind of get the feeling for, for everything. I mean, I'm sure everybody can relate to that as far as day-to-day life, but 
um, as an athlete, you know, I know even more, you know, down to, you know, like little things that I feel like pregame, postgame, things like that. Um, so, I mean, I've had a few, a few instances, one this year during the start, I was kind of, I was going through my warm up routine before the game and I knew I was going to be a little low. Yeah. I was hoping I could get it up before the start of the game. Um, I actually went out for the first inning. Um, I, I think I had my levels where they needed to be. I was still feeling a little like I just needed to chill for a little bit though. Um, so I struggled for that first inning, came in, you know, sat down, got some water, you know, a little more Gatorade. Um, Gatorade's kind of like my go-to when I'm on the field, something to boost me up real quick. Um, and then, you know, off the field, I like to, you know, try to have some some candy here and there if, you know, I have some handy whenever the yeah. time arrives. Um, but, you know, it's, it's just being aware of everything. And, you know, at, the more you do things, the more comfortable you are with it. And, uh, right. you know, I, I feel pretty confident in being able to, you know, recognize, you know, what I need, even, you know, without the Dexcom, you know, I, I feel like I have my, my feeling and, you know, you know, signs of being low, especially. Um, sometimes I find myself a little high after competition. Um, and then, you know, from all that exertion, I just kind of come, come back to where I need to be sometimes even a little lower. Uh, and I need to just eat a little snack after I'm done competing. Yeah, and you know, you keep doing it, and you learn each time. You learn something new about yourself. Definitely, I think I heard you mention Gatorade. So, what was the uh, what was your what's your go to snack just to make sure you stay level? You know, before you go out and warm up or anything like that. I like like Nature Valley protein bars. You know, I get a little chocolate with it, but you know, it's still kind of healthy. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's a good balance. Uh, not too many carbs. I think it's like somewhere between 10 and 15. Um, so it's like a good little boost, you know, to keep you going. Um, you got some peanuts in there that, you know, last you a little longer than some other stuff. So try to stay away from short-term sugar unless I just need to boost something up. Yeah. And I think usually, and I I think I've told you this one, peanut butter is actually a very good stable for blood blood sugars too. Yeah. Peanut butter is awesome. I love it. It helps, you know, (laughs) build muscle and everything too. So it's real good for you. It's a winning combination right there. It is. It certainly is. So what's the, what's the daily routine for you in, in the life of a diabetic or a diabetic athlete, I should say? Well, I think it kind of revolves around what you got to do that day. You know, as an athlete, a lot of the times it is like six o'clock game or four o'clock game or seven o'clock game, things like that. And where, you know, you have a routine set out for that day. Um, you know, I'll just take you through what a day looked like that I would pitch on. Um, you know, I get up, try to get a breakfast in me, you know, like some eggs, some bacon, things like that in the morning. Um, you know, I'm not, not a big like breakfast guy, but I think it's important on, you know, days that you're going to compete and things like that, that, you know, you get up in the morning, get your body moving, get some food in you. Um, you know, I'll go for, go for lunch, try to get like a little sandwich, things like that. I, I like sandwiches a lot. Um, and then, you know, I try to eat about three and a half hours before a game starts. Right. Uh, at least for me, it's about two hours or so that, you know, if I take insulin, that it'll really move around a little bit. You know, yeah. up, back down and after close to two hours, it'll be pretty stable wherever I'm at. That's where I'm going to be till I eat next or, you know, something like I go out and compete happens and, you know, it might dwindle down a little bit, but. You know, I like to have my levels pretty stable by the time that I'm I'm getting out to the field. Um, 
so that I avoid things like that instance where I was a little low going into a game. Yeah. Uh, so post game, um, usually like a little protein bar or something, you know, when I finish up um, or a team meal, if I'm having a meal, um, you know, I'll probably just back off a unit or two, at least for me, yeah. I, you know, it's easy just spin it on the, on the pen and, you know, I'm good, but it's just, you know, keeping that in mind that, you know, I did just exert myself. So I'm probably going to need to back off a couple units on whatever yeah. I normally would take. Um, and you get a feel for that, you know, the more you do it and things like that. So it's, it's a pretty good system. Um, you know, sometimes depending how late I'm up or depending how early the game was, you know, I'll get another meal in by the end of the day, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's working around games is the only thing that's, that's real big. You know, I if I'm going to sleep in one day, I'll probably skip breakfast. If I'm up early, I try to eat breakfast. But uh, breakfast is probably the meal where I could either take it or leave it right now, um, especially if the day starts a little later. You know, it's funny. I can easily relate to that just because I'm, there's been so many times I sleep right through breakfast and I get up, like, and I get my day started. So I can, it's weird how you mentioned you could take it or leave it with breakfast. Yeah. So, is there has there been a cheat meal favorite cheat meal that you had or that you've enjoyed so far out in Arizona? Uh, cheat meal, I don't know. I I don't really look at most of my meals as cheat meals, but um, you know, I I try to eat on the lower end carb wise. You know, I try to stay away from pasta and pizzas a lot more than you know maybe some other people do. Cause uh, right, I, mean, I used to think that it was best off if I just avoided it altogether. But you know, it's kind of depriving yourself a little bit. So I, yeah. I let myself treat treat myself to some pasta and pizza sometimes. You know, make it okay. a little carb. Um, you know, get a good nice little fettuccine alfredo or something like that. Pasta was always something that I really loved before I was diabetic, and then mm. I straight away from it for a while. You know, just because I had a pretty good handle on things. You know, I was eating. Not keto, but pretty low carb. Um, yeah. A lot of, like proteins and uh, salads, things like that, where you know I was able to manage my levels pretty easily. Um, you know, now I think I have a great feel on everything, so I can have those days. And you know, I can even eat pizza and pasta sometimes, and you know, barely see see my blood sugar get much higher than it should be. Um, so I feel like it's just you know learning your body, like I said, and mm -hmm. seeing what you're able to do and what makes you feel like crap. Yeah, I think it's weird. It's crazy thing that you talk about pizza. It's, you know, that's one of those things where I can eat a slice and you see the sugar. My blood sugar would skyrocket. You know, I mean, you could cover you could cover the right amount of carbs, nail the insulin, all that, and it'll still do that. Yeah. Sure. And, I th and one other meal, I don't know if you might agree with me this on on this or not, but it's, it's a hibachi. Yeah, yeah, hibachi is a rice. Rice kicks you a little bit. That, that gets you up there pretty quick too. And I'm a, and I'm a sucker for abachi because I love good abachi. And all of a sudden you see that sugar skyrocket and it's like, dang it, I gotta start correcting. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't panic, correct, things like that. <laughs> I actually, since I have the pens and needles, I try to, uh, you know, if I'm gonna eat a higher carb meal, I try to give myself a little buffer, like a 10, 10, 12, 15 minute buffer between when I take my insulin and when I eat, you know. It's kind of hard when you go out to eat though because you don't exactly know when your food's going to come all the time yeah so. that's that's always been a curiosity dude or i'm going to the out out to like the cafe or something at school i would try to take it 
get myself over there and give it a little buffer that if I was going to eat some higher carbs that, you know, it, it kind of seamlessly transitioned a little more. Definitely. And it's always, you learn, like we, like you said, you learn something every day and it's crazy to think about. So my next question for you, Mason, is this, what was your number, what was your favorite moment for your time at Gardner Webb? Um, for me personally, it was, our playoff game that I threw in, um, you know, Gardner Webb, you know, obviously I wasn't there for that long, so I didn't really get through the past couple of years, but there were a lot of guys on that team that were there and playoffs wasn't always something that they were, they were really a part of. Um, so a lot of them were fired up about it. I was fired up about it. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I went out there and I had an outstanding performance in game one and we got the win. Um, you know, I, the last playoff game I threw in was at Waynesburg and we'd lost it. Um, so I kind of had left a, a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth. So it was, it felt really good to go out there, you know, when the lights were really on, on the big stage uh, yeah. and, you know, pitch my team to, to a, a quality chance to win. Um, and they had the bats going. So it was a really fun game. And, you know, we beat a team that we really wanted to beat in USC upstate. So it was, that was definitely my favorite moment from this past season. Yeah. And I think I always, you know, I've known this personally, you know, from the years I was playing baseball and I always notice it. Team chemistry is such a key thing, no matter what level you are. Oh, no doubt. No because doubt. It, it could it could easily, you know, make or break a team, in my opinion. Oh, for sure. I think this year is a great example of that. You know, we had a lot of guys like me that were coming in there for one year. Um, and I kind of, I was worried at first how, how everything was going to bond, you know guys were kind of there for a year, you know, guys like me, where it was a, you know, just a, a jumping pad to the next spot, really. Um, but it was actually really nice that, you know, everybody who's there bought in for this season. It wasn't like, oh, I'm a, I'm a freshman, I'm a sophomore, like, this is my time. You know, we had, yeah. we had a lot of older guys, and then we had a great group of younger guys that, you know, supported us and um, were bought into the program, too. So I think it was a perfect balance and things worked out really really well yeah and, and you know i think you know I, my in uh, high school we just we didn't quite there's like uh like there's groups that were all like together not as a team that's why i always try to tell you know younger kids whenever i've had a chance to go like watch or be a coach i'm like hey work as a team pick either pick each other other up you know, it's, we, we can only play this for so long. And sometimes, you know, playing for the name on your shirt and, and the name, you know, on the back of your jersey, that says a lot. And, you know, trying to express that importance to those young guys, that's one thing I try to tell them. Yeah, and it's not hard to see the people that do that too. I think that's what they don't realize sometimes is how easy it is to pick out who's playing for team on the front or the name on the back yeah so when i was younger i used to sneak some snacks from time to time and so my question for you mason is did you ever sneak like some snacks from time to time when you were first diagnosed my guilty pleasure was kind of sour patch kids so uh <laughs> that'd be the treat that i'd kind of you know quietly eat sometimes uh -huh. but I think I think in small doses you can make anything really work, and yeah. you know, as long as like a every meal kind of thing, like you're not really gonna pay for it. You can 
can make sure that you still get still get some fine things, you know, some candy, some M&Ms are another one that I like, peanut M&Ms. Um, but, you know, you can find something, you make it work for sure. Oh, definitely. And when, this next question for you is this. I've had, I've had a chance to work with uh, the diabetic camp that the softball game raises money for, Camp Sweetscape. And I've, and I've learned some stories from some of the kids where, you know, just out of a variety of like their classmates or coaches, you know, anybody honestly looks at them differently. And so the question being is, did anybody ever look at you different when you were first diagnosed? I think there was a little bit of a shock factor. Yeah. Um, and I mean, physically, you know, I came back from the hospital already up, I think like 15 pounds and I was, you know, I, I got bigger, like really fast. And even somebody that didn't know that noticed that. Um, I, I think, I think some people were scared to talk to you about it. Yeah. I don't really understand it. Um, and, you know, at least for me, um, I didn't really have a problem with people looking at me differently because, mm -hmm. you know, I was, um, I, I didn't, I didn't ever really look at my condition as limiting, um, yeah. really in any sense. Um, if they wanted to look at me that way, then that's fine for them. I'll, I'll prove them wrong. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm big on, you know, I have my circle of, you know, friends and family that, you know, I knew were going to support me regardless of yeah. you know, whether, whether I was able to play baseball again, what I was able to do, you know, I knew they'd be there for me. Um, and, you know, I think even some of my buddies like tease me a little about it sometimes too, but you know, it's, it's just kind of embracing it, you know, it's yeah. part of who you are. Um, and I think initially, you know, there is part of you that's like, I don't want people to see it. I don't want people to think I'm weird, like things yeah. like that. And I'm sure at a younger age and in, in school, you know, that's even more magnified. Um, again, I was fortunate that my diagnosis was as late as it was. Um, yeah. But like, you know, the sooner you own it and that's who you are, um, and you know, you're honest with yourself and you're honest with those around you, you know, it, be surprised that it's just like it just flows man you know it's Definitely. not as big people as as you think it is yeah and i think out of my experience personally it's everybody was more curious than looking at me different everybody's kind of like what's that what are you doing yeah exactly and then there then the favorite question can you eat that that's <laughs> like yeah there's a lot of questions but you know if you think about it you know they're exactly like you were probably before you were diagnosed you know i didn't really know anything about type 1 diabetes mm -hmm. you know, i just associated diabetes with you know older people um kind of like had it run in their family or ate bad yeah. for 30 years or things like that so i think diabetes i felt like i had a little bit of a, a stereotype in a lot of people's minds because just like me they, they didn't really understand you know what exactly it was and you know if you sit down with them and they do ask questions you know that's it gets old sometimes with people asking the same questions but if you look at it like you know this is them kind of caring and trying to understand so and, they can know more and, about it helps, you. and it helps them open you know give them more of an open look at it the, the i mean the disease itself yeah because like, you know, I've had, I've, had, I've had people ask, you know, growing up, I've had people ask me this, that, you know, what am I doing? What does that hurt? I mean, I tell them, I was like, oh, it doesn't hurt when you're doing it for 16 years now.
And so, and it's, and it's like we're both saying, it's always, I think, you know, it's amazing to hear that, you know, regardless of how old you are, like for you, for an example, you're, you're becoming an advocate for it, you know, at the age that you were diagnosed or, or you know, then there's somebody says, I'll, I'm an example of it. Don't know why. And then you got, you know, I mean, for me to say, you know, try to help out these young, young kids, this, that it's because, you know, like this podcast, like the event, it's something that I believe in and trying to get more awareness out, trying to get more promoting out this, that you, whatever you think of. No doubt, man. It's definitely admirable what you've been able to do. Uh, you know, I, I hope I'm able to, you know, lend a hand to you, and then in the future, kind of branch out into my, you know, my own thing as you know, I get a little bit more solidified into this environment. Yeah, and I think we can definitely work out something because I'm not going to ask the big question because I know the guy who led me on to you. He asked me, he says, "You going again for the softball?" Then I, I'm just like, I'd like to. But it all depends on the schedule, which obviously is understanding. But it's like, you know, and I appreciate telling like, hey, I'm having him on the podcast, though. And he's like, oh, man, tell me when. Let, you know, I'll listen to it, this, that. And that's kind of like, see, as long as you promote somebody, it's always fun to hear those, like, enjoy these, the, this podcast. And it's, it's amazing to see. You know, it's going to be fun to have you now a part of the Sky to Net name family because i tell people we're one big family we look out for each other however we can and so my last question for you mason is this for the diabetics listening out there playing sports or not what's your advice to them man it's it's just taking you know a day at a time a week at a time you know this is a life-changing event when you know, it does happen. Um, we all know that. But the sooner you learn that you really have no limitations in what you do, um, you know, what you have to do day to day is slightly shifted from what a average person might have to do. But that doesn't mean that you can't do the same things, if not more, you know, this is, it's almost given us a platform, you know, to be an inspiration to others. Um, so it's kind of, diabetic or not, you know, people can look at you and admire what you're doing um, yeah. and what you've been through, where you're going, what you've accomplished, things like that. So, um, you know, it's nothing, nothing to ever be ashamed of or, you know, afraid of. Um, embrace it. You know, it's part of who you are. It's part of, right. uh, you know, your identity. Um, and, you know, don't kid yourself. Don't kid anybody else. You know, it's definitely be honest you know, embrace it. And I, you know, I tell the, you know, I tell people, the kid, you know, the kids, especially that you can do anything you set your mind to with your God given potential, you know, you ain't come, you ain't come this far in your life to turn around. And that's what, you know, that's the main point I try to tell them because, you know, the softball event, for example, it's eight years now, which you could have told me back when I started in high school, it would go this far and I would call you a liar, <laughs> but it's definitely amazing to see more, you know, people like you and me try to be such advocates in what, in the, you know, in the word of diabetes and things like that. So Mason, 
We appreciate you coming on the Sky Softball Podcast for the first time ever. We hope to have you on again. And lastly, before I forget, feel free to plug in any social medias that you like. Oh, no, that's, that's not really me. I'm out here for that, so no worries there. Um, I'm happy to be a part of, uh, you know, what you're doing. I'm honored to be a part of it. Um, we're super glad you reached out, and, uh, you know, I look forward to, you know, what we're going to be able to do moving forward. So, Definitely. thank you. Yeah, and Mason, we wish you the best of luck with the Oakland A's. I'll be keeping up with you personally, which I'm sure everybody listening where you may be listening to this podcast will also be doing the same. I mean, heck, Mason, we've had somebody listen to this podcast over in Germany. So you, I think you have a new fan over there. <laughs> so lastly, everybody, feel free to check out the Sky Softball podcast wherever you get your podcasts, such as Apple, Spotify, Google Podcast, or if I'm forgetting any of them, feel free to look up Sky Softball podcast, follow the Sky Softball podcast, on Apple Google once again. And lastly, the social medias at Sky Softball G that is over on Twitter and Instagram and Sky to Softball Game on Facebook. And once again, Mason, we appreciate you and go A's. My pleasure. Appreciate it, Michael. Yeah, man.